0: He says that same phrase multiple times in John chapter 10, in the context of saying, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. He's saying, and I gave my life so that you'd have that life. So in other words, a great price was paid. So not that you could just coast through life, but so that you would have an abundant life. But what we really were getting to, and this is why I just feel like the Lord's pressing us on this, is not abundance for abundance's sake. And I think that's where so many times we do such a disservice to our walk with the Lord is when we think of an abundance for just a hoarding kind of mentality. Like, I'm just going to pile up and all of this is for me. But that's not what the Bible taught us. That's not what Jesus modeled. In fact, he said that he poured out his life like a drink offering. So he lived an abundant life, modeled abundance for us, but yet he poured out his life like a drink offering. So I want you to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to read through this and really lean into keys of abundance. Keys of abundance. Last week we hit keys to abundance but keys of abundance. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly or in a limited manner will also reap in a limited manner. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able or strong enough to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. And just right out of that scripture, this was the four keys I gave you last week of how to walk into abundance. Number one, identify your seed. What do you have? God doesn't call you to give something you don't have. Seed is what's in your hand. And it's not just finances. It's time. It's talent. It could be another form of resource. Number two, work on your heart. God says he loves a cheerful giver, and he says don't give out of compulsion or out of necessity. God loves, he loves, he loves a cheerful, cheerful giver. In fact, it's almost to the extreme where it's like, you know what, keep it. <laughs> if you can't give it with the right attitude or the right heart, just hold on to it until your heart gets there. That's why I said, number two, work on your heart. Don't let your heart just stay in a stingy kind of uh, fearful mentality of, oh, I don't have enough, I don't know if I'll have enough, I don't really want to get, no, 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 don't let your heart stay in that place, work on your heart, particularly by listening to the word of God and reading the word of God till your heart gets right. We all have to do that, every single one of us. Number three, increase your sowing. This is just review from last week. So identify your seed, work on your heart. Number three, increase your sowing. Where does that come from? Because he's saying, if you will give out of an abundance or you'll give bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. But this is where we got to that is where I'm going to lean in today. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, listen, may have an abundance for yourself. Y'all going to let me get away with that? That's not what it says, does it? So that you have an abundance. So you just get filthy rich and you have as much money as you ever could possibly want. And you have the best cars and the best houses. No, no, no. It doesn't say that. It says that you may have an abundance for every good work. Every good work. Every good work. Every good work. See, you and I, it's the will of God for us to step into a place where you have an abundance for a purpose for every good work that he would put in front of you, for every good work that he would put in, into your hand and into your ability, into your sphere to do it. He says, I want to make sure that you have an abundance for every good work, but it doesn't just happen. So the keys that we talked about last week were keys to abundance. But I want to talk about the keys of abundance, and I'm going to use that same scripture this week from Second Corinthians chapter 9. And here's the first key that I want us to talk through, that you're going to have, supernatural grace and favor when you're walking in abundance when you're walking in true abundance you have supernatural grace and supernatural favor and the bible talks about this in multiple areas of when god's at work in some in in someone's life they often will have supernatural grace and supernatural favor and all of this you have to marry it to the keys we talked about last week so you can't get to what i'm talking about today without really owning and doing what I talked about last week. So that's important. These two go together. But I'm going to lean into this as far as the keys of abundance, that there would be supernatural grace and favor. Where does that come from? It says in verse 8, and God is able, strong enough, able is another word for that, is strong in the Greek, to make all grace abound toward you that great that word grace in the greek is just charis but it can be translated in different ways it's that same word by grace you have been saved that it's it's powerful it's, that god is strong enough to make all grace not just a little bit but all grace but you can also translate that word as favor that he would make all grace favor abound toward you this is powerful language i mean this this verse is like packed but it's not just natural favor like you're a likable person or you've got a great personality or oh, people just tend to like you or you know you're good with people you're good in front of people you're a good speaker talker you know this is not about being a good car salesman down at the you know local dealership and they've just got a way of selling things no 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 this is supernatural you can't get to this kind of grace of favor by yourself now, this, this is important because some of us have never experienced true supernatural grace and favor. But the preceding verses to this says you can sow to that. You can step into a whole other, where it's all grace. And I'm telling you right now, there are areas where I know I could step into another level of grace and favor. And for the sake of good works, I need to. For the sake of the kingdom assignment on my life, I need to go to the next level of grace and favor. So again, I wanna, I'm going to keep through every one of these keys. I'm going to keep pointing us towards the fact that all of this is for the good works he's put in front of us. It's not for you. So you're going to have to retrain potentially your brain to not let it always go to how this affects and is going to benefit you. It may not help you at all. I mean, it may, but it may be for all the good works that he's called you to. It may cost you actually more of your own self than even before. See, even Jesus, when he was growing up, it says that he grew in both stature and favor with both God and man. It said he grew in it. He wasn't innately born with it, and he just always had that kind of favor with people. No, no, it says that he grew into it. He grew into it. In other words, you can grow in favor with both God and man. You can. Um, Surely, if Jesus needs to grow in favor with God and man, surely you and I need to. There is supernatural grace and favor on your life when you step into it, when you step into this place of abundance. And again, I'm bringing this up because I feel like the Lord's pushing us into this to say, hey, pay attention. I have more good works for you than you have. The abundance for yet. But if you want to get there, you're going to have to step into a place of supernatural grace and favor. There are so many times where, and maybe you've experienced this, where you have a connection with people or maybe a group of people that may be so different than you, but yet something gives them an affection for you and vice versa. Like there's a connection that happens. That's favor like there there's a there's something of a link that happens that's almost maybe immediate and you're like how did that happen how did this it, it, it was like we had this connection that's what people use that's the term people would use nowadays but it's favor there is a grace from them toward you that you didn't earn cuz some of this happens in the min, in the middle of meeting somebody for the very first time and you know there's a connection here That's supernatural and God wants to use it for him. But see, if you're not spiritually minded, you just kind of blow past it and you think, oh, you know, it's just, we just had a connection and you don't lean into it at all. You just kind of blow past it. And God's wanting us to have more discernment than that to say, no, no, no. That favor that you have with that person is for a purpose. Don't waste it right? Don't waste your favor. And I think sometimes we waste it when we don't recognize it's God's favor that created that connection. It's supernatural. So there have been multiple times where I've been in a situation where I'll be talking to somebody and I notice, oh boy, God set this up. It's I would call it like a divine appointment, like a God appointment. And in the midst of talking to them, I realize we're supposed to meet each other, not so much for just the two of us because we need more friends, but we're supposed to do something together for kingdom. That's the, that's, that is the light bulb. That's a perspective that we need to step into because it, this says that God is strong enough to make all grace abound toward you. All grace abound toward you. In other words, uh, there's one scripture I wanted to read. Proverbs chapter 16, verse seven, it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, Listen, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he, God, makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That is called the strength of God, giving you supernatural and grace and favor. When even your work coworkers that are vying for your position, even when they're at peace with you, even those that maybe are aiming and gunning for your position, When they're even at peace with you, that's supernatural. Or maybe family members who, you know, there's been a decades-long rift between family members. God is able to make even your enemies be at peace with you. In fact, it doesn't even say that he is able. It says he makes even his enemies to be at peace with them. He makes it happen. It will happen. So I think some of us, we need to turn the light bulb on and say, Lord, is this rift or this lack of peace that I have with even this person, what, what, what can I do to sow into where I have an abundance of grace and favor when even that person's at peace with me? Let's not be okay with the fact that we have people at ought with us. It's like, no, 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 we ought, I ought to have favor. They ought to have, I should have peace with them. He makes even his enemies be at peace with him. That's supernatural grace and favor. Second key of abundance is supernatural consistency. Supernatural consistency. Look at verse eight again. Make all grace abound towards you that you always having. Everybody say always. Always having. Always having. Now, you may look up always in Greek it just means always. (laughs) There's no, there's no, there's nothing slick about it. It's just always. Now, I'm not here to say that you may not be tested in this and in this belief, but I'm just reading what the scripture says. And it says that there is a place of abundance to where you always having, always having, always having. And that's, that is just something of a there's something in me that I get confronted with, Lord, some of my realities in our situation doesn't match the scripture. But instead of making the scripture alter to match my life, I want to make my life alter to match the scripture. Did y'all catch that? Instead of altering the scripture, which is what a lot of people do, they dumb it down or they try to explain it away or they try to contextualize it, which just means I want to pull other things in so that I can have more doubt about the scripture, that it's true. And they alter it so that now it makes them feel better about their life. I'm not like that. I want to confront, I want scripture to confront my life so that my life changes and alters until this scripture becomes a reality in my life. And that takes humility. That takes humility to say, Lord, what is it about my life That I have not stepped into this place where I always having, always having that supernatural consistency. And again, it's supernatural. Like you can't work enough hours and enough overtime and enough other jobs and side hustles to make up for the lack of the supernatural in your life. It has to be him. So in order for it to be him, you have to go back to what we talked last week. And do the keys to abundance and step into this place and use what he taught you about how to get there. Rather than just trying to work, 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 work. Because you're going to work yourself into the ground trying to always having. When God's basically like, no, no, no. I'm strong enough to make you not just have supernatural grace of favor, but to consistently have what you need. Always having, always having, always having, always having, always having, always having, always having. I want to be able to walk out, and when I'm seeing see a need or something, I want to always have. Not oh man, this is a bad month. You know, there's this. It's Christmas this month, so I can't really give to anything else or anybody else because we're really strapped because of all this other. No, no, no. That's not always having. (coughs) Always having means that whether it's Christmas time. Or the month after Christmas when everyone's still paying for Christmas in January. Or, uh, you know, or the summertime, oh, it's vacation. I mean, there's always excuses to not always have. But this says, no, no, always having. Always having. And then look what it says next. All sufficiency. All sufficiency. Supernatural contentment. This one is going to, I think, just scrunch up your toes because I might step on them real quick. (laughs) This one's going to get, I think, some of us. Supernatural contentment. Because that word, having always having all sufficiency. Sufficiency really is another word for that, is contentment. Because you know what? It's hard to always have when you can't keep anything in your pocket. Because you're not content. Because you always want the latest and greatest, next best thing. So there's no putting into maybe a storehouse or something to save up so that you have cushion, you have reserve. Some of this just gets very practical, but there is something of a supernatural contentment where you ask God, God, help me be content. Paul says this, and I believe it's supernatural. I don't think it's because Paul was some superhero Christian that was different than anyone else, except for the fact that he stepped into this. He taught Second Corinthians, or he wrote it. But he also taught about whether I have a lot or I have nothing, I'm content. And I mean, he just, he just rolled rattled one after the other after the, after the other, and this was a man who literally had had both. I mean, when he was a young man, he was the best of the best of the best. He was said, I'm the Pharisee of Pharisees. I, I am the stuff. I am bright. And he had a great reputation. I mean, before he became Paul, obviously his name was Saul, he would go around ripping Christians out of the homes. I mean, he would persecute them. He was there when Stephen was martyred. And he was was notable for that. He had a reputation for that. He was liked by the Romans for that and the Jews for that. But yet he walked away from all of that because he had an encounter from Jesus. And then he became pretty much abased on multiple levels, lost all his friends, lost his notoriety, and was still smart. But I'm telling you, it wasn't, looked kindly upon by all of those people at one time who he had valued their input so this is a man who's saying i know what it means to be content with nothing zero a lot of his letters he wrote from prison did you hear me a lot of his letters he wrote from prison and he's encouraging them on their faith and how to keep their churches in a godly order and he's correcting issues as needed, and he's encouraging them in the doctrine, all from prison. And prison was not like our prisons, where you can get cable and, you know, play ping pong and, you know, work out and get buff. No, no, no. This was like, this, th- these prisons were bad. Sometimes you die in prisons because they were so rough. So Paul didn't have it easy, but yet even in the midst of that, He had a supernatural contentment. He wasn't wrestling through, God, why am I here? No, 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 no. He was content. And I really believe that there's something in us that needs to start asking God. God, help me be supernaturally content. I don't need everything that the world says that I need. I don't need the new latest and greatest just because I think I do. Because there is a place where I I want to be, Lord. This is a prayer that I think we should pray. There's a place that I want to be, Lord, where I have been disciplined enough so that when good works come in front of me, I have an abundance for them. I don't want to regret the fact that three days ago I spent my abundance on a new boat. Not that there's a, not that that's bad, but you you know what I'm saying. If if you're undisciplined. Then you get over here and now you don't have an abundance for that good work. And I think we just need to consider more. And there may be a time when you pray and the Lord's like, No, take use the boat. Buy the boat. But there may be times where you bought the boat and you didn't even ask God about it. Right? You didn't you didn't even there was not even a conversation about it. Or you fill in the blank. You know, I'm picking on boats, but it could be anything. It could be a car it could be you know a new phone it could be anything supernatural contentment i just love that always having all sufficiency everybody say all this paul's not mincing any words here i mean i wish he would have given us a little wiggle room like because then i feel like we would all have uh we would be able to wrap our heads around it but he's not giving us any wiggle room he's like all that you always having all sufficiency. I mean, he's like blanket statement. If he were to preach today, people would be like, "You can't preach that." You're like, "That's that you, you need to tone it down a little bit." But that's not what he taught. He said always having all sufficiency in all things. In all things. In all things. I want to Look at supernatural provision. And to do that, I want to go to First Kings 17, and I think we hit it on it last week. I don't remember if I taught, said about the widow of Zarephath last week or not. But always having all sufficiency in all things. See, there's supernatural provision, even in the midst of supernatural contentment all things all things all things first kings chapter 17 we find elijah the prophet and he sends the prophet to a widow a very unlikely resource a woman who at the time would not have had very much to begin with and yet he's coming to her in the middle of a famine so it's not rain which means that there are no crops. And because there are no crops, the livestock can't eat the crops to also stay alive. So everything is dying, including the people. So he comes and he finds this widow. And in fact, God tells him before he gets to the widow, he was at uh, this brook, which is a whole other thing, by the way. Um, Let me look at verse three. Let me start there. Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. This is God speaking to Elijah, and it shall be, you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he, he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now, just think about that for a second. So, I'll get to the widow in a, in a moment. But think about this supernatural provision. God tells the prophet who, incidentally, was the same one who told the heavens and the earth to not rain. Or the heavens to not rain. By the word of the Lord. But still, he was the instrument used at the time to make this famine situation happen. And yet, God tells him, go to this brook up here. For I've commanded birds to feed you. Where? Where? there now if he would have said god i don't want to go there i want to go to this other place that i like better do you think the birds would have found him no because god said you go there and i've commanded the birds to feed you there now i have never had this happen have you where animals literally brought me the food that would be a new one and yet it's in scripture and yet it's a form of provision that says, even when everyone else is struggling to find food, I will bring you food. I will bring you what you need. I will make sure that your only job is to get to where I told you to go. Supernatural provision. Supernatural. Supernatural. And I, I think this is a place where God needs to blow our minds because we have very tight ways that we see God providing. Like, God, would you please drop a check in my mailbox that's unexpected? You know, so that's a very specific way, or God, you know, maybe I'll find a $20 bill on the pavement or, you know, and that's all fine and dandy, but what if God has a whole other new thing, and new way to provide for you? Maybe his provision is an idea of a new invention that no one's thought of before, and he wants you to create it, and that's your place of provision that you need to get there. Or what if the place of provision is a new job or a new place of employment or starting a business? Like, what if that, those are the new places and that there are people who are called there to so feed you, so to speak, provide for you may not be physical food, but maybe it's an income or something like that. I don't know what it would be for you, but I'm just saying God has a way to make sure that when you're in a place of serving him and you're abundant, like you're in abundance, he will provide for you every step of the way. He will make sure you have what you need. But I'm glad by that point, Elijah would have known what supernatural contentment would be. Because that's not necessarily what he had chosen. It's like, yeah, I'm going to hang out by a creek for a few days, you know, and wait for birds to bring me food. That may not have been his favorite, but yet it's where the Lord sent him. But after that, let's look at verse 7. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So that was a timed season thing. He wasn't supposed to live there and stay there forever. There are some times where we wait too long to move to where God tells us to go. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, there belongs to Sidon, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Look at that. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So... Think about how humbling this is. God's like, I'm going to use birds to feed you and provide for you. And now I'm going to use basically the most destitute of a situation that's also going to provide for you. Like, just think about the humility that that takes to go to where God tells you to go, because it would break all the societal rules that would have happened at that time. In fact, God would have even commanded someone like Elijah to take care of the widow, not vice versa. But see, what maybe we're not seeing is that God did provide for the widow. and gave this widow the opportunity to sow into something that otherwise she may not have been able to, and she may would have died because what we see here is when he finally made it there, he asked her for water, and then as she was going back, verse 11, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar and see I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die that is pretty bad (laughs) how many of us would have been like never mind you you finish it off (laughs) like I'll find you obviously you're the wrong widow I gotta go somewhere else that's not what he said he said Elijah said to her do not fear catch that don't fear Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Afterward, make some for yourself and your son. Just think about this woman who had nothing, who's like, I'm going to die. And maybe her mentality was like, well, whether I die in five minutes or die right now, like, you know, what do I have to lose? But that doesn't seem to be her attitude. She goes and she does it. And there is something of this that just shows that she was able to give out of what she had. And that's exactly what God needed from her. And it provided for not just Elijah, but it provided for her. Because look at verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and she and he and her household ate for many days the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the, oil, the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. That is is Second Corinthians chapter 9. That's it. She gave bountifully. It was only a little in our terms. But for her, it was everything. She gave him a little bit. And then from that point forward, her flour never dried up or never was used up. And the oil never dried up until the rain came back and she was going to be good from the rain. God sustained her through famine because she was willing to give something according to word, the word of the Lord. And I, the, I wish there were other ways around this because I know this just tests people. This, this scripture will test people. It'll test you in your own life because then when you start to feel God kind of poke you about something and you want to ignore it, like, no, no, no. And so I wish I could give you a pass and be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. If you're scared of doing that, if this is hard for you, I, you know, God still loves you, and he does. And, and he's so gracious, and he is. But I wish there was another way, but there's not. Not for abundance. Like, you'll make it. You're, this is not a salvation issue. You're going to go to heaven. There's no problem with that. This is just, are you going to have an abundant life on earth while you go to heaven? That's what this is. Will you have an abundance? Will you make it when everybody else isn't making it? Because you're listening to God. Supernatural provision. Supernatural provision. Things you didn't plan, things you couldn't have known ahead of time, only God can do it. Supernatural. I got two more and then we're done. Supernatural protection. Keys of abundance. So far we've talked about supernatural grace favor. Supernatural consistency. Supernatural contentment. Supernatural provision. Next, supernatural protection. I love this one because I go to Malachi chapter 3, and this is in regards to the tithers. It says, bring all the tithes into my storehouse, verse 10, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this as the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Here's the protection. And, everybody say and, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the, fine bear to, uh, the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Have you ever felt like every time something came in, it went out the other door? Like you got an extra check and then the, the, the extra bill unexpected came in and it's like gone. Now, I know that's kind of maybe a a silly example, but that's real life where you have, uh, it always seems like what you bring in, even the extra is devoured, taken up, taken by something, something breaks in the house, something doesn't last, something that you didn't expect you were going to have to pay for. And it just eats away the extra. It, It eats away the extra. That's the devourer. And God says, for the tither, I will rebuke that devouring thing for your sake, I'll rebuke the, that, that devour for your sake. Now, this may not matter to many people, but I think this is huge because how much maybe has come in, and man, we've got that supernatural provision, but because we haven't been maybe tithing with it and we haven't been doing what God said to with it, it keeps getting eaten up and eaten up, and so we can never get a head. Have you ever said that? I feel like I can never get a head devoured devoured and it's not like we don't have our enough help on our own by sometimes the lack of budgeting and the lack of planning i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the devourer where you know man this should not happen this this washing machine should work you know this this part of the roof i we just replaced it It shouldn't be leaking again that kind of stuff where it's like no god says i'll rebuke the devourer for your sake supernatural protection you and i should become intolerant of things being devoured Uh, there have been many times where i'll come and i'll pray lord you said you would rebuke the devourer for my sake i pray that you would rebuke this issue this thing that's happening whatever it may be vehicles can do this to you have you ever had a vehicle where it's like dear lord i'm spending more on this vehicle than my children, right? Like you just feel like we should we should be like, no, 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 everything I put my hand to should prosper. It should be blessed. It should work. It should not always be going into the shop. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Now, lest, I want to give an example because some people think I'm just making this stuff up. When the children of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, they went through the wilderness and it said that their sandals never wore out Now listen to me This is about as real as it gets when you're in the middle of nowhere Their sandals that protect their feet from the elements Of what you can imagine would be insanely hot Or uh, the rocks that would cut their feet up It says that he, and, and the Bible is very specific to put it in it That God made it to where their sandals never wore out 40 stinking years now some of y'all know what i'm talking about because maybe some of your stuff is you're like i've had these clothes longer than you've been alive all right well then maybe this is god's faithfulness to you but some people think that we just make these things up about god sustaining what we own and god sustaining our home and god sustaining our cars and god sustaining these very physical things like we just made it no 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 it's right here in scripture that when god's working in your life and he's moving you and he's blessing you he will cause even very physical things to last longer than they should have been able to supernatural are y'all catching what i'm saying like this is in the bible ty's not making it up it is there and if he'll sustain sandals surely he'll sustain some of the things that you own and he'll rebuke the devourer or anything else that would try to eat it up In fact, there's another scripture in Joel chapter two where he says that he'll restore even the years that the locusts have eaten. And he goes, all these kinds of locusts. So not only will he protect you, but if things did get in and kind of eat up or take away from what you had, he says, I'll even restore that. He uses these crop share kind of um, terminology to identify even with us today that there's stuff that's part of what you own that they get eaten up, eaten up, eaten up, just like locusts would do. He says, no, I'll even restore years that those things ate from you. That's powerful. Supernatural protection. I will rebuke the devourer. Last one, supernatural opportunities. Keys of abundance. This last one I think is so powerful because what is the purpose of having supernatural opportunities? grace, supernatural consistency, supernatural contentment, and provision and protection, except for the opportunities that God will bring right in front of you. There are good works that you and I ought to be prepared for today. Today, supernatural opportunities, not just mediocre, like no impact. I, I'm not talking about opening up just a food bank so you can feed more people. I'm talking about supernatural opportunities, Things that are like, they're going to make kingdom impact. And he may use something as practical as a food bank, as long as he's the one behind it. And he's the one leading you. And he's the one putting that supernatural opportunity in front of you. But it may be something about your family. It may be something about your workplace. Supernatural opportunities that he'll place right in front of you. And you're going to need this abundance so that it will happen. So that you can meet that whether it's a need or you'll have enough for that good work. See, Ephesians says this. Ephesians says that you were created as a workmanship and created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. In other words, every single one of us have good works that God created before you were ever born on planet Earth. And he says that he created you and I. We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday. He created you and I in such a way that even who you are is prepared for that good work. Now your job is just to do some of these keys and be in a position. So not only are you and your personality and who God made you to be is prepared for the good work. But that you have an abundance for that good work. You have an abundance of energy. You have an abundance of finances. You have an abundance of talents and, and, and relationships. You have an abundance for every good work. So my prayer for us is that as a church and then as you as individuals and families would step into abundance. And some of you, some, you're going to have to leave behind a poverty mentality. I'm just going to have, I just got to say it. Because poverty says, well, we don't have enough. We won't have enough. And I'm afraid if I do anything outside of the norm, we're, there's ruin on the other side of it. It's fear. It's like Elijah told the woman, fear not. Fear not. So that pro- so you're gonna have to say no, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I won't be a part of poverty anymore. I'm going to step into a life in abundance by faith. In other words, it's not all gonna add up on paper sometimes. In the kingdom of God, A plus B often does not equal C. You do it by faith. You do it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's why we started off by saying you got to have your heart right because I'm not asking you just to step out and in, in dumb faith, okay? I'm ask, it's real faith when you actually have it here and you know that you have it and the fear is washed out and you're like, I'm going. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on what God's telling me to move on so that I have an abundance for every good work. And that's the bottom line. My prayer for us is that you and I would have an abundance for every good work. Every good work, an abundance for every good work. So, if you would, I want to pray for us today. If you'd maybe bow your heads and close your eyes. I feel so strong in my heart that it's truly God speaking to us. It's time for abundance. It's time. It's time. Just let that word sink into your own heart that God's saying to you, it's time. it's time. It's not about waiting another year or five years or until we get in a better spot or until we get all our ducks in a row. No, no. God's in the midst of all that. He's saying it is time. It's time. So right where you're at, I just ask you to open your heart and just receive that word into your heart say yes lord i hear you i hear you this it's time it's time for to have an abundance for every good work it's time to have an abundance for every good work it's time it's time it's time i won't shirk this responsibility anymore i'm not going to duck and dodge it i'm not going to make excuses for it anymore i'm not going to explain it away anymore I receive by faith this word that it is time for an abundance. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, according to the word of God that we've read today, that every person who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. I pray over every person's supernatural grace and favor favor for a purpose favor with a mission i pray over every person proverbs chapter 16 verse 7 that you would make even our enemies to be at peace with us in the name of jesus may every one of our enemies be at peace with us in jesus name i pray for supernatural consistency that we always having Always having, always having, I pray for consistency. Like the widow with the jar of oil that it would never run out. Father, I pray for supernatural contentment. May we not be caught up in the spirit of this age that always needs and wants more, but may we be supernaturally content. supernaturally content Lord I pray for supernatural provision whether it's by birds or by widows or by a job or by some other venue Lord I pray that you would supernaturally provide so that we always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work I pray for supernatural protection as Malachi chapter 3 says that you would rebuke the devourer for our sakes. Rebuke the enemy's work out of our life, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. And lastly, Lord, we pray for supernatural opportunities, supernatural opportunities. May we have the opportunity to expand your kingdom to every corner and sphere that you've called us to. I pray for good works to pop up all over the place and that we would have an abundance for them in the name of Jesus. I break any poverty mentality and spirit off of us today in the name of Jesus. We reject that orphan type spirit. And the spirit of fear that comes with it in the name of Jesus. No more. We'll not be afraid. We move by faith into these things that you're calling us to. Expecting supernatural results in Jesus' name. If you agree, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.